Hello, welcome to Tea Hanks and the Memories. I am your host, Darren, and you are probably saying, what on earth is this thing called Ithaca? Um, why are you covering this? Uh, you didn't talk about Tom's cameo in the Simpsons movie. And I'm like, yes, I know, listener, I didn't, uh, which I'm now viewing as a mistake. But unfortunately, if I covered that, I would have had to cover Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. And various other things, probably Parkland, which I actually did see at the cinema. Uh, in 2013 you know there's a whole bunch of other stuff i would have had to cover i drew some lines in the sand and those were tom hanks has got to be starring in the film um you know he's got to be above the title uh but he's not above the title on this film uh which was allegedly released on the 9th of september 2015 um we have no box office recorded for it apparently it cost five million dollars uh, and you ask yourself the question, is Tom Hanks getting top billing? No, he's not even on the poster. His face and name are not there. Um, and so you're saying to yourself, why are we covering this? And I will explain that after I introduce my guest, who many regard as the Meg Ryan of the podcasting world. <laughs> it is Helen Herbslestar. Hello, Helen. Hello. Uh, ha- happy to be back. <laughs> Which is not to say you are retired, because you aren't. <laughs> I am um, after this movie. Yeah. So, well, of course, I normally say to people, oh, when was the first time you saw this film? You know, I saw Toy Story at the cinema and all the, all the rest of it. Uh, but I don't think anybody saw this film um, at the cinema or anywhere else. Um, and apparently there was a film that came out in 1943, which is one year after this film is set, called The Human Comedy. Um, and which I thought was quite interesting. Like the story behind this film and everything else around it is interesting. The film less so, um, but this film, the human comedy, it won the Oscar for best, um, best story. story. Yeah, which is not a category which exists anymore. Um, a guy called uh, William Saroyan, I think, is how you say his surname. Um, he 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 was asked to write a script by MGM. MGM said, "Write us a script for a film," uh, because. You know, that's what they did back in the day. They just approached anyone on the street and just said, write a film because we've got to put 19 of them out this week. Just write anything. You know, they said to the guy who did It's a Wonderful Life, just what have you got recently? And he's like, well, I did this, you know, um, Christmas card that I gave some people. And they're like, that's it. Turn it into a film. Um, everything was being turned into films. And so this guy, um, he had, <laughs> it was a book of the month club selection in March 1943. And it came out as the film, like it came out in the February actually, and it and the film came out in March, and the, like they they both came out at the same time because what he did was he wrote a two hundred and forty page script, yep, and then turned that into a book and published the book at the same time as the film came out, so he could kind of maximize the publicity on it. Um, and it is basically it's basically the exact same story. Uh, it's set in Ithaca, which is a fictional town in California, apparently based on Fresno, which is where the, um, you know, the the, 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 the author lived. Um, it has many references to Homer's Odyssey, including the fact that the main protagonist is called Homer and his younger brother is called Ulysses. And uh, there's other references. Um, but yeah, so and then uh, it's been it was adapted into a number of other things. This is much like um, uh, Shop Around the Corner. Uh, which was like turned into a film like four different times and also a musical and was also a play and was based on a novel. And it's got, you know, so this has been, this was filmed into like, turned into like a television adaptation and then also was turned into a musical adaptation for the stage. 
in like 1983, um, uh, which wow. closed after 19 previews and 13 performances. Not a gigantic hit then. And then Meg Ryan decided to make her directing debut by turning it into a film again and calling it Ithaca. And pretty much the plot line is kind of the exact same as the novel. You know, the, the na- main characters' names are the same. Uh, the, like the, the the Homer guy is meant to be 14. Everything's kind of the same. I Basically, it's just a remake of an older film. And I have no idea when what possessed Meg Ryan to do that or why she decided this was her directing debut and more importantly why tom hanks decided to make a cameo as a ghost in like three scenes (laughs) two of which he says nothing and the other one in which he mumbles very quietly and then we don't see him for the rest of the film Uh, for a film that is um credit to credits only one hour and 23 this you know not a long film um, and I would say, you know, up until we had all the streaming things that Tom did in the last few years, this is probably the least successful Tom Hanks film ever. Um, I don't think anything like made less money than this. Not even that one he did that was set in like World War Two, where he was in Jerusalem, um, which I can't even remember the name of. But it was the first of the films I gave no T Hanks to after Mazes and Monsters, which I also gave no T Hanks to. <laughs> I don't want to prejudge this, but. I feel like everyone knows where this is going. Yeah. So, uh, Helen, were you even aware that this film had existed or that Meg Ryan had retired from acting? I think um, I think I remember seeing the list of films you were going to be covering and seeing Ithaca in a, in a row on that spreadsheet and thinking, yeah, it seems plausible that he was in a movie called that. And that was about my level of familiarity with it, just like the possibility that something called this might exist. Yeah. I mean, I kind of roped you into this. Uh, what was that last episode you were on uh, when you uh, covered a good film? Oh yeah, I was on the that thing you do episode, and I'm yeah. a, I'm a very open minded person, and having <laughs> been on the episode in which we covered Joe versus the volcano, which is like the first Hanks Ryan joint, yeah, I thought, well, no, that might be a nice bookend to have someone from that episode in the last Hanks Ryan joint, <laughs> and then yeah. I just felt deep regret in like the days leading up to me watching this film, and. I wish I could say it was unfounded, but um. <laughs> no. Nope. I mean, I would say this. At least I didn't make you pay to view this. Well, thank That's, you for that. Uh, it is available for saying. rent uh, in the U.S. on Amazon Prime for like four dollars. Yeah, don't do not it. Not worth four dollars, I would say. Um, but yeah, so I, like obviously going through Tom's, you know, uh, like the list of films. Like you, like you say, when I started, I was like, oh, you know. Um, you know, I'd seen a lot of the stuff from the 80s, you know, obviously, you know, everyone's kind of seen most of the stuff he did in the 90s, uh, the 2000s, you know, seen less, although, you know, um, right before this, we finished like an eight film run where I'd seen everything from like Toy Story 3 to Bridges Spies. So, you know, um, and then we, we we're hitting upon a few lesser known films as we go forward from this point, like The Hologram for the King and The Circle. Um, and I'm sure everyone enjoyed the post, but like the poster was just like uh, a photograph with just like Ariel on it, like in in white, just the words the post. And I was like, that looks like the world's most boring film. So we'll see if it is once I get there. Um, uh, but yeah, so like, and the, you know, obviously I've still got Inferno. I still got to finish the trilogy of. Uh, but out of out of all the films that I, I've seen him in, um, and every time we say goodbye was the film I was struggling to think the name of. That's how memorable a film it was. Um, yeah, this is like this is only really notable because you know Meg Ryan was like I'm directing a film, and 
you know will you turn up in it and tom obviously you know being close friends with you know meg was like yeah sure uh, this is why I joked. Um, what was the final film they did together? Was it uh, You've Got Mail? Was the, the yeah, that would one? have been the, the yeah. last one before this. Yeah, I joked in that that obviously You've Got Mail was the conclusion of a trilogy of films that Tom did with a certain actor. And if you thought that actor was Meg Ryan, you were incorrect. It was Dabney Coleman. Um, <laughs> because we still had this film to look forward to in terms of the collaboration between uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Uh, but what I think is interesting is like, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be starting any podcast, you know, that's like, you know, uh, negging about Meg or whatever. Um, so I think it's interesting, like, to just think about her career because, like, you know, um, you know, her first big hit was Top Gun, which obviously came out, what, the year after Splash? Or was Splash, Splash was like 85, wasn't it? And then Top Gun was 86. So, you know, her and Tom's careers kind of started at roughly the same time. Uh, I mean, I watched Armed and Dangerous... I mean, hundreds of times when I was a kid. Love that film. John Candy, Eugene Levy, Meg Ryan as, you know, America's girl next door. Uh, you know, and and obviously from that point on, you know, well, she met, De- uh, you know, uh, Dennis Quaid. I was about to say Randy Quaid. She did, I mean, she I'm probably, sure she did, probably did meet him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably, probably had some family gatherings. Lucky but, you know, girl. She met, she met Dennis Quaid around the time of like Inner Space. Um, and obviously, you know, they have a son, which is evidenced in this film because... He, you know, he is starring in it, um, yeah. Jack Quaid. Um, these days, of course, you know, well known for um, The Boys. Um, uh, apparently, he's also recently divorced. He was married for five years, uh, following in the footsteps of his mother and father, um, getting divorced. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, he he's, I mean, it's weird because he's been in The Boys, but he hasn't really been in that many, like, films, apart from like, you know, Hunger Games. Uh, where he, if I remember, he was one of the the rivals in the the games, and uh, wasn't he like one of the the kind of strong bad guys who was like from one of the districts where they were like teaming together and yeah. I think so, that's right. He doesn't survive it. Spoiler oh no, no, alert. he makes yeah, he makes a cameo in Catching Fire because obviously they do a bit of flashback into the previous film, um, and obviously most recently he was in the fifth Scream film, which is called scream just to confuse everybody um i don't remember him being in logan lucky but i'm you know it's saying he was in logan lucky um but you know that was like yeah that was i mean between that like rampage which is that film that is based on the computer game with the rock yeah like he's not yeah i mean i think scream has got him kind of some acclaim and obviously the boys has got him some acclaim um, but this is, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously this isn't his big screen debut because that was definitely Hunger Games. This isn't even a big screen debut for anybody. One thing um, I noticed, because I, I looked up this movie a bit and I looked up some of the cast, their individual Wikipedia pages, and like, they just never talked about what any of these actors did in 2015 in any of the career <laughs> sections on Wikipedia. Like, this is arguably kind of a starring role for Jack Quaid, and they just skip yeah. over this movie when he hasn't even done that much stuff. Like, no one has Ithaca mentioned anywhere except their full filmography. Yeah. Yeah, now that is funny that they basically, they're like, oh, he was in vinyl. I mean, <laughs> you know, the short-lived TV show on HBO about the, you know, um, film industry in the 80s or whatever. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Uh, it was... Okay, I guess. I mean, oh, it had to terrible. have been great. Jack Quaid was apparently in it. <laughs> yeah, I think he was in it. Um, um, I'm trying to... Because I did watch that. Oh, pro- well, produced by Mick Jagger and Mark Scorsese, of course. 
um, and Terence Winter, who did the Sopranos. Well, he worked on the Sopranos, if I remember. Um, yeah, only ran for ten episodes. Uh, Bobby Cannavale, of course, was the main uh, the main draw. But it also had Paul Ben Victor, who of course is in The Wire seasons uh, two, three, four, and five, um, and everyone's favourite. Um, uh, well, I was going to say everyone's favourite actor from Doogie Howser, uh, Max Casella. He was Doogie's friend on Doogie Howser. I love Max He was also Casella. in The Sopranos. Yeah, he's also in The Sopranos. Yeah. Um, also had Juno Tempo and Olivia Wilde in, on, on vinyl. You know, so some good actors. Mm-hmm. And then also um, Meg Ryan's son, apparently. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's funny because, uh, I, you know, I was I was recording the episode for Saving Mr. Banks and we talked about uh, everyone's favourite uh, nepotism child, uh, and that is Jason Schwartzman, um, who, of course, is, you know, relate. Well, his parents are both extremely famous. <laughs> and then He's he also Coppola, is related. Right? He, yes. He, yeah. He, yeah. His dad is John Schwartzman, who's like a cinematographer. And obviously his mother's Talia Shire. And then Talia Shire, of course, is she's hiding the fact that her name is Talia Coppola, uh, much like Nick Cage hides. Obviously, his cousin is Nick Cage. Yeah. So um, and I think Jack Quaid, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how high I'd place it in terms of nepotism babies. But, I th- you know, I think he's he's doing enough to, you know, earn his place in terms of like, you know, you, you like on the boys. You, you're not thinking to yourself, this is extremely out of place that he is on here. You know, he's a good enough actor to kind of uh, hold his own on that show, I would say. Uh, whether or not you enjoy the boys is entirely subjective, but I think you know he's pretty good on it. Um, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I did not find him good in Ithaca, and I felt badly <laughs> about that. And I don't know if it was writing or directing or his acting or all three things, but that uh, they I'm... gave him so many lines and <laughs> too many lines. Too one many would say, Helen. too many. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, like. I, I, what's weird then is like obviously you think of Meg Ryan, you know she's huge in the eighties, um, you know with uh, Top Gun and Inner Space and when Harry met Sally. Yes. Obviously, you know the nineties you got Joe versus the volcano, uh, the Doors, um, you know of course Sleepers in Seattle, um, everyone's favorite comedy about Einstein being a, a matchmaker IQ. Yep. Um, Remember where it? she starts, yeah, where she starts with Tim Robbins. I just remember seeing the poster for that old French Kiss. I don't know if that is a good film, but I just remember Kevin Klein like playing a French guy, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but there's absolutely no way I can buy that as a thing that is correct. Um, I you think know, I and... remember that being pretty good. <laughs> okay, well, save it for your I mean, Meg Ryan podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I don't want to bury the lead, but obviously you are here because you're an expert on rom coms, and this is nothing but a complete rom-com isn't it Ithaca I mean it's the <laughs> hilarity and the romance oh yeah well it's uh, definitely a chick flick if not a <laughs> rom-com um, yeah a chick flick in the sense that it was directed by a chick yeah and, and, it's, a, and it's a flick I mean yeah you know. I don't know and you know bitches love period pieces you know can I say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we bitches um, love them I won't say that I'll unsay that so yeah, but then obviously she tried. She tried to get serious with Courage on Fire, where she acted with Denzel, of course, who had previously acted with Tom in you know the Oscar-winning uh, Philadelphia. And as I said during that podcast, it's a pity that they haven't acted together since. You know, I would love to see some late stage uh, Denzel Tom Hanks. I think the problem is Denzel looks the exact same that he did in like 1993, and Tom Hanks 
has turned into America's pudgy dad. So Aww. I don't I don't know if you know. Well, you know, it's, I mean, at his age, oh, he, he still does. looks great yeah. for his. Yeah, but like, it's just I think if he's up against Denzel in a film now, Denzel would look like twenty years younger than him, and it would just be weird. Um, you know, because Denzel is aging gracefully. He is a you know a beautiful man. Um, as is his son. I mean, you know, David David John Washington again, another nepotism baby. Oh, I star gotta of, look him up right now. Star of Tenet. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, you see you see you see him in Tenet, and you're like, that guy looks very familiar. And then afterwards, you're like, David John Washington. And then you're like, oh wait, his dad is Denzel. And the woman who was married to Denzel for the last, I don't know, 40 years or... They've been married a long time, haven't they, um, Denzel? Unlike Meg Ryan, his life did not fall apart after meeting uh, Russell Crowe. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's funny because like, after you've got Mail, which when many could argue was the last great Meg Ryan film, although, you know, let's pa- not pass judgment on Ithaca yet... Um, <laughs> You had you had like hanging up, which I remember the poster for that being hilarious because because you had um, Diane Keaton and Lisa Kudrow and Meg Ryan and they're all blonde and they've all got phones in their hands and you're like that's got to be hilarious, you know, because women do be talking, um, <laughs> and and I assume that's what this film is about. I don't. I mean, they're meant to be sisters, aren't they? And again, Walter Matthau reuniting with Meg Ryan mm-hmm. um, after Finally. IQ. Yeah, um, and I think I can't even remember who directed Hanging Up. Um, was it was it Diane Keaton? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, it was Diane Keaton. It was based on the An Ephron Sisters screenplay. That's what I'm thinking Love. of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so of course Meg Ryan and and uh, you know Nora Ephron, you know their relationship obviously stretched over quite a few films as well. Um, but like after that, um, you know there was as I said there was Proof of Life where she decided while she was on set she would like to start having sex with Russell Crowe, despite the fact she was married. Um, and that did... Have, I mean, I, I think it's in the years since, uh, they've said, no, that wasn't the reason that they got divorced. And Meg Ryan has kind of insisted that she started her affair with Russell Crowe after they, she'd split it with her husband. But, you know, it's all murky. And, you know, if you are America's Girl Next Door, it's a bit kind of... Uh, uh, you know, it's like a bit of an attack on your reputation when you decide to take up with Australia's, you know, fightingest man. Um, and like, and I think that's kind of where things. I mean, because then Kate and Leopold. I mean, the stories of of the kind of the oh, mess that man. that production was. You know, James Mangold, who since then has restored his reputation, obviously by doing Walk the Line and Wolverine and Logan, and you know, and, and you know, kind of. I mean, you know, Copland was the the film that got him the gig to do. Uh, Kate and Leopold, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with, because obviously it is one of the most disastrous of rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Um, Liev Schreiber and Brecken Meyer are in that. Oh, and Nick, Nick, a young Natasha Leon. Right, and I Bradley might have Whitford. to get all up in that right now, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bradley great. Whitford. I haven't seen it in many years. Bradley Whitford was in um, Saving Mr. Banks oh. uh, with Tom Hanks. So uh, and Philip Bosco. Uh, wow. You know, yeah, a Tony Tony Award winning. Um, yeah, so obviously that was a mess because they shot the film and then, you know, everyone's favourite sex predator saw it, Harvey Weinstein, and was like, recut it and completely change it because, you know, we're going to we're gonna release it on in Christmas and we want it to win Oscars and all this kind of stuff. And so they went back and reshot it 
And then he wasn't happy with it. And so then they reshot it again. And, you know, kind of it ended up being a complete and total mess. Um, and basically, uh, you know, just lost, a, you know, a ton of money. I mean, you know, the budget was like 48 million and it ended up being 76 at the box office. That's, you know, that doesn't seem like a loss, but apparently that budget was kind of downplayed a little bit. They, you know, they, they apparently they spent roughly 100 million <laughs> trying to get it onto the screen. Um, yeah. So, you know, Christian Charles was in it. Oh, it's a, wow. I mean, that's a, yeah. And Spalding Gray. That is a stacked uh, I film. want that to be um, a delight. <laughs> I don't think it is. Uh, Hugh Jackman plays His Grace Leopold Alexis Elijah Walker Thomas Gareth Membatten, the third Duke of Albany. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what you call a name. And Meg Ryan just plays Kate McKay. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, so kind of, I think that basically kind of stopped her career after Proof of Life and Kate Leopold, people were like, you know, is Meg Ryan still a box office draw? Um, and so, you know, she went, you know, in a completely different direction that nobody saw coming and was in the film In the Cut, um, directed by Jane Campion. Um, based on the novel by Suzanne Moore, Susanna Moore, I think it is. Uh, obviously, starring Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Jason Lee, two wonderful actors. Um, and you know, it did okay. It was a you know very low budget film. Um, Kevin Bacon's in it, so if you need a, a you know a good waypoint for six degrees of Kevin Bacon, there is a film for you in the cut. Uh, links you to Meg Ryan and Mark Ruffalo, so that gets you to the rest of the MCU. That's a pretty good. Um, you know, pretty good thing. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, but basically, uh, originally Nicole Kidman was going to play the, the character that Meg Ryan played, and then she had to drop out because she was getting a divorce, and <laughs> she uh, she wanted to spend time with the kids. Um, and so, and so uh, it ended up, um, you know, um, going to Meg Ryan, um, and, you know, p- kind of people, you know, uh, let's say mixed uh, reviews uh, got 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I think uh, on Mr. Skin, it gets higher ratings because I obviously, bet. yeah, Meg Ryan, uh, you know, there is some nudity in it. Um, obviously, it, it was, at the time, it seemed like it was a calculated choice to, you know, uh, change her image. And so she wasn't, you know, uh, the girl next door as she had been for so long and maybe kind of do some more serious films. Um, and then she did Against the Ropes, uh, which I remember um, coming out um, the next year, directed by Charles S. Dutton. She's starring in a lot of films that have been directed by actors, I tell you. Um, and starring uh, Omar Epps. Um, and obviously it was all about boxing. Uh, Tony Shalhoub's in there. Kerry Washington, a young Kerry Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, but again, like, it didn't, didn't do well at the box office. Six million from a budget of 39. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that kind of was the end of her career. Uh, you know, she was in a few films in 2008, uh, including The Women, uh, which, of course, was unique in Hollywood in that it has a cast that is, I think, yeah. entirely women. I don't think there's any men in that film at all. That did make money. Uh, but then considering you've got like Annette Benning and Eva Mendes and Deborah Messing and Jada Pimpkitt Smith and, you know, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Mazar and Bette Midler... Really, if you didn't make money at the box office with all those names, and that's literally all the poster is, it's just a list of names of women, um, some of whom are in a montage on the poster. Uh, Deborah Messing has a shocked look <laughs> on her face. Uh, someone's obviously told her something shocking. 
um, uh, given that you know Jada Pinkett Smith is doing this, like as if she's whispering into her, maybe it's something Jada Pinkett Smith has said. Um, but yeah, so you know, it was you know again that didn't it got I mean it's got fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> so not critically liked, but it did make a lot of money. Um, you know, made three times its budget back, so you know a success. Um, but that was you know f you know at, uh, f like for a while that was like the last kind of big film that Meg Ryan was in. Although she did appear, as I said, lots of films directed by actors in the film Serious Moonlight in two thousand and nine, directed by Cheryl Hines from around the same time as when she was appearing on uh, that year's season of Kirby Enthusiasm, where obviously uh, they were reuniting the Seinfeld cast and they were looking for a love interest for um, uh, for Larry David's character. Um, was he, I, do you know what, the, 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 that entire season of Kirby Enthusiasm is so meta, I cannot remember if Larry David actually appeared on the show or if they still kept the character of George as the Larry David and they were looking for a love interest for George and they they he wanted it to be Cheryl Hines and Jerry Seinfeld wanted it to be Meg Ryan um, and so she appeared as herself on a couple of episodes and in the end I think they cast Cheryl as the love interest for George uh, on the reunion and then obviously the reunion never happens but technically it does happen because it happens on Curb Your Enthusiasm it's a very very confusing and meta but a great season probably probably my favorite season of Curb Your Enthusiasm just because it is so full of in-jokes um but yeah and that is based on a screenplay by Adrian Shelley who was murdered in 2006 um and obviously wrote and starred and I think directed Waitress which obviously has been turned into a musical on Broadway since, um, and starred Kerry Russell, um, and also starred Cheryl Hines. And so Cheryl Hines was like, I'm going to direct the script by, by you know, uh, Adrian Shelley, who is dead. Um, and it got 22% from critics. <laughs> and, and and that was it. Like, that was that was Meg Ryan's on-screen... I mean, it basically made no money. 138000 at the box office worldwide. Um, so uh, just to put that into perspective... Uh, Doctor Strange, which opened on Thursday, made 36 million on one night. So if you're bet, I mean, I'm sure there's certain screens that made about 138,000, uh, which was the entire thing. I mean, you know, it's got Kristen Bell, Justin Long, Timothy Hutton. Like, that's a good cast, along with Meg Ryan. Um, but yeah, just did not did not make any money. Um, and eventually, like after after it was released, it immediately went to like VOD, basically. <laughs> so, you know, a streaming um, not a hit, I'm going to say, a streaming thing that happened. Meg Ryan's career was like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm done with like doing rom-coms, although effectively the final film she's in, you know, in 2009 is a rom-com. Um, and then after six years, she's like, I'm going to direct a remake of a film from the 40s that won the Oscar for Best Story, which isn't even a category that exists these days. And she did so with music from her then-boyfriend and then-not-her-boyfriend, and then her boyfriend, and then her fiancé, and now not her fiancé, uh, John, previously Cougar, Mellencamp, which I think is the weirdest thing about all of this. <laughs> it's just like... It was, it was bad. It was, <laughs> it was not unlike um, a Mumford & Sons cover band just, like, jumped in to play very loudly over... Uh, presumably there was dialogue. Mostly it was name-saying. But there was just, just a lot of it, and I felt very distracted by it. Um, and there weren't any, even any like sucking on a chili dog lyrics to brighten the mood. So 
I don't know. I don't know, Meg. I I, I feel like on paper it's a fine idea. <laughs> well, I mean the fact the fact that the, like the track as well, like um, they've also got in there uh, Carleen Carter. Um, yes, daughter of uh, June Very Carter nice. and uh, Johnny Cash. Wow. Um, yeah. So lends that some credence. Um, I don't know that anybody would be thinking, oh, yeah, um, Johnny Cash's daughter sings on a soundtrack of a film directed by Meg Ryan mm-hmm. and briefly starring for about 30 seconds, the ghost of Tom Hanks. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's a thing that anybody would think would happen in the in the 2010s. Well, um, Meg was just trying to give children like as many opportunities. I mean, celebrity children like her own son. Yes. And, <laughs> and uh, the Carter kid. Uh, yeah, this, well, yeah, that's a lot of nepotism going on all at once, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know if John Cougar Mellencamp is a son of someone famous. I don't think he is, but um, yeah, yeah, the fact that she's got her own kid involved in this. Um, and apparently the album that this later came off, the song that, you know, dominates throughout, um, is Sad Clowns and Hillbillies. <laughs> okay, that's... That's not real, right? <laughs> that that I mean, do you know what? If I if I look this up now and I find out that this is like the final album of John Cougar Mellencamp, and this is the final film of Meg Ryan, and this is the thing that killed both their careers. Uh, uh, no, he did. He actually, he, well, you know, after Sad Clowns and Hillbillies, he, he he has done one more album since, which came out this year, oh. which is called Strictly a One-Eyed Jack. Oh, so it's about like a penis or something? Wow, I, I mean, that seems to be the implication, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, the, pay, the, the well here's well here you go here we go here's some nepotism for you uh, the the cover was painted by his son oh it's Speck 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 Mellencamp Speck, Mellencamp. Speck Cougar Mellencamp yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah painted the, the the cover it's not a bad looking painting but it's his dad with like an eye oh, patch I think oh that's fun um, well life does go on long after the thrill of living is gone yeah so for a period of time this was the final film and final album by John Cougar Mellencamp and Meg Ryan but he's obviously made a comeback since then uh, Meg has alright could we like predict uh, what her event eventual comeback will be even if she never actually makes it like will she I mean I become a jazz musician I feel like a lot of actors do that <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I mean wasn't that like what Minnie Driver did for like uh, like five years or something because nobody was hiring her in films she was just like making like jazz standards. yeah Jeff Goldblum plays uh, the piano H. John Benjamin yeah, I, well, released I, an album of him not being able to play the piano like it's big it's a big <laughs> thing I think I think really if she's going to make a comeback at any point it's got to be in season four of The Boys oh that'll be it um, as just appearing as somebody who you know uh, people are like you know uh, vaguely talk about him being being re- related to the character that Jack Quaid plays. Mm. Although I, I think it's established within that the, the series. I haven't watched series three of it, but I've watched the first two series that his his mother is dead, um, so she couldn't you know come in as. as oh, his she mother. could pull a Tom Hanks in Ithaca. <laughs> Have you heard of this movie Ithaca? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I mean, it feels like eventually we I have to get so. to the actual plot. And I feel like I just spoiled the, the whole film. Tom Hanks part already. Whoops. <laughs> yeah like we said you know based on a film that had already been was it released in like 19 i think the film's really the film the novel's released in 94 i think we discussed this film released in 1943 based on a novel written by the guy who then wrote the film and had them both released same, at the same exactly time, which is 
masterstroke of how you get yourself a bit of extra cash. Um, and this film is set in 1942. So this, so within the film of Ithaca, uh, the film The Human Comedy doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not. Oh, well, they got around the cultural knowledge that everybody else has of the human comedy. So good one, <laughs> yeah. Meg. The Oscar-winning mm-hmm. uh, human comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing about this that is Oscar winning has Meg Ryan ever been nominated for an Oscar? I don't think this is something I've ever thought about. I feel like she should um, have been if she hasn't been. Like, I'm sorry. In When Harry I Met mean, Sally, I would give her like six Oscars for that. And I get that it's well, it's a yeah. light film, but she was incredible, and her hair was pulling so much weight. My God. I mean, but the weird thing is she's been she's been nominated for funniest actress in a motion picture four times. She won twice. When Harry Met Sally, that's, she won mm-hmm, for that. Mm-hmm. Can you guess the other the, the other win and then the other two nominations after oh, that? Oh, the other win. Funniest actress. Gosh. I mean, the hint is that it's related to this podcast. Well, I would say Joe versus the Volcano is a possibility for a nomination, but maybe not uh, a win. But I also think... No, her, her first her first win was Harry Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, she didn't really have the name wreck at that time. Um, is she funny in Sleepless in Seattle? Or You've Got Mail? She, she, uh, she was definitely judged as being the funniest actress oh. in a motion picture both times because she won for Sleepless in Seattle. Nice. And she was nominated for all You've right. Got Mail. So obviously all three uh, of the four collaborations up to that point, all let's say all of her 90s collaborations with Tom Hanks, she was deemed to be the funniest actress at least twice. Yeah. Um, and then can you guess what the other God. nominations for? It's, it's one of these films where I'm like, I don't want to see that film. It doesn't look very good. Um, um, the Women. <laughs> uh, no, it was in the 90s. Oh, All of her nominations were okay, in the 90s. hold on. With When Harry Met Sally being 1990, although, of course, it came out in 1989. And You've Got Mail being 1999. IQ. <laughs> No, no, you are you are kind of in the ballpark though. It is around that period. Yeah, an inner space would have been way earlier. Okay, I'm at a loss. I don't. <laughs> you don't need this it's much French dead air. Kiss. French Kiss. No, that movie's Kiss. great, yeah. and she is great in it. I'm not going to deny it. And Kevin Klein. I just think I, just think the I recommend it. Poster just made which completely. Put oh, me it's off. bad. Was, it's a bad poster. The, yeah, I was like, no, there's nothing in this. But no, according to the list of all the awards that she's been nominated for, she has never been nominated for an Academy Award. Garbage. Um, so she garbage. did win the Blockbuster Entertainment Award Favorite Actress Comedy Slash Romance for You've Got Mail. <laughs> I'm um, really happy for although her. Although the, the weirdest thing is the, the, like the, the, the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards had some very odd categories because the thing is she was also nominated the same year for favorite actress drama slash romance instead of for City oh. of Angels. Oh, I forgot about that movie. I forgot that was yeah. her. And then also, 2001, favorite actress suspense. <laughs> I mean, how many categories they got? Wow. Uh, Proof of Life. Yeah. Oh, yep. Heard so, of it. But th- those are literally the only thing she's ever won was like Blockbuster Entertainment Awards and the American wow. Comedy Awards. So she course. didn't get like a BAFTA yeah. for Ithaca? <laughs> Uh, no, no. I'm being so mean. I, I'm being so mean. I don't think you can get a BAFTA for a film that isn't even released yes, in the country. Fair enough. Also, but it's, she did get nominated three times for Golden Globes. Okay, good. Again, for the trilogy of Tom Hanks films that she did. Um, and, you know, obviously best uh, female performance and on-screen duo at the MTV Movie Plus TV mm, Awards mm, for Sleepers mm-hmm, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was... 
But yeah, um, she she also got the Bad Stinkers Movie Award for Worst Actress and Worst <gasps> Fake Accent Dash Female for Against the Ropes. Oh yeah, I, I've never seen it or yeah. maybe even heard of it. Well, I, I and I won't. I now I know I won't. Um, yeah. So she, I mean, she, her only her only Razzie was for Worst Actress for the women. Oh yeah. Um, which was shared with the whole cast. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Aww. But you know, so yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that she had she like she, you know I feel like there are a few performances in there that she actually, um, you know, she should have been nominated. for something. I mentioned Joe versus the volcano because I think she's astounding in it. Like she's really fun. Yeah. in that movie. Well, she's pulling triple yeah. duty, isn't and she? And then you know maybe she'll come um, back in Joe versus another volcano, and that will be <laughs> the inevitable return. One-eyed yeah, Joe, Joe versus, versus another, another volcano. volcano. Maybe a bit like a speed. A speed two situation where she returns, but Tom Hanks doesn't return. Oh, yep, yep. Um, although they've made so many, like, fake sequels to Tom Hanks films. It's kind of crazy with, like, Bachelor Party 2 and Splash 2. Mm-hmm. And then there's a new TV series, of course, of uh, that one with the baseball in. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a League of Their Own. Yeah, League of Their Own. There was already a TV series that was terrible, but now there's a new TV series uh, of League of Their and Own. And I saw that uh, Captain um, Four Lips just came out, the fourth in the Captain Phillips series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he is the captain and also the captain. Yeah. Now. it's about a pair of twins who take over a ship, uh, uh, and they co-captain. Do we have to talk that about? Fun... This? Can we just like pitch movies we for Tom to... Hanks to do? No. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have we have to get into it because I feel like as terrible as this film is. I mean, we you know let's not. I mean, we, you know, we should hide the what we're going to give it till the yeah. end. But really. I, I you know I don't think anybody is in, in in any doubt how we feel about the film, but there you know there was some good yeah. stuff here. I think um, you know we liked Sam Shepard. I think yes, Hamish Linklater, the drunken like oh yeah, Hamish was, Linklater is great. He, I hang my whole hat on that. Is that a thing people say? I hang my hat on Hamish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean he's fairly tall, so you might have to get like a small step stool. I'll have a uh, Homer lift me up. <laughs> Who was the littlest? <laughs> Who was the young? The baby. Yeah. Uh, well, no, the, the, oh, the young baby is uh, Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah. Homer and Ulysses, yeah. Um, so, the, you know, what is the story of Ithaca? Uh, it's about a kid who delivers um, messages. Um, and and it, like this entire film would just be somebody sending like three texts. Yes. If it were set in modern day, that's all it would be. Because he only really delivers three messages. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I do think uh, it would, like, if you just stopped after he delivers the first of the three, like, that would be a fine yeah. short film. Like. Yeah. Because it, it, like, the first, because obviously we get to, we get to kind of meet the character of Homer McCauley, played by Alex Newstatler, uh, who's got way too many letters <laughs> in his name. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's a couple of, there's an, there's an EU and an AE in there. I mean, it's. I mean, sorry, come on, just stick to one I of wasn't sure there wasn't, um, like, a silent F lurking somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and he is he's playing this kid who basically wants to become a bike messenger for the te- local telegraph service because, obviously, uh, we are, you know, in the midst of World War One, and, you know, most of the young men are gone, and he's really the only one who's suitable, apart from Tom Spangler, played by Hamish Linklater, mm-hmm. who used to be... The old the messenger, messenger boy um, until he became a messenger yeah. man and stopped messaging. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be World yeah. War Two, right? Because they're still Ithaca is still reeling oh. from World War One, like twenty years before. Yeah, yeah. Which I which isn't that how isn't that why? No, I think Tom has died in this war, hasn't he? Yes, maybe. Yeah. I don't. Do they even ever say? No, because. 
Because the thing is, he couldn't have died in the previous war because Homer's only like 16, yeah. So he and his much younger uh, brother, and I guess yeah, there the was a sister. The... They wouldn't have been born. Yeah, yeah, the maths wouldn't have worked out for that. But uh, yeah, so well, I mean, he's used to being killed in World War Two. It's just a thing that Tom Hanks <laughs> likes to do these days. Uh, is either he's saving someone or he's getting killed That's in a true. war. Uh, you know, if it's Mr. Banks or Private Ryan, he's saving someone or he's getting killed in or a war. Or he's getting shot in the buttocks. Um, yeah, do you know, actually, it's like, as I've said before, it's very rare that Tom Hanks actually dies on mm-hmm. film, which is why I'm sure you had some confusion when you saw Tom Hanks, because you were probably thinking, Tom Hanks can't well, be dead. Yeah, it, um, t- well, first of all, because like it starts out, you know, you're in Ithaca, you're introduced to characters of young boys named Homer and Ulysses, and you're like, okay, so this will be an Odyssey story, but it isn't at all. Um, and then, so yeah. I'm already like confused by that, and you see Meg Ryan hanging clothing on the line, and... Uh, Tom Hanks waves at her from a porch and she shakes her head no at him and I think he's just like a creepy neighbor for about the first 40 minutes of the movie because that's all you see of him for the first at least 40 minutes of the movie. For for a film that um, on the poster doesn't well, I mean, it depends which poster you have because there are some posters that put a bit, you know, put a little bit of Tom Hanks on it for, just to kind of uh, get people in. And I should say as well Meg Ryan has cast herself as somebody who basically does almost nothing in this mm-hmm. entire film. <laughs> Other than kind of look wistfully at things, uh, like I say, she's she's hanging out washing, she's staring into the corner of the kitchen. You know, she's just generally. It's not until the very end that she kind of gets any chance yeah. to do anything, and even then, that's mostly taken by uh, the by Homer, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like that's that he's the one who gets most yeah. of the action at the like end. Like the big thing she does um, is having already packed up sandwiches on a scene we didn't watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of off-screen business. She's very busy off-screen. You wouldn't believe what she is doing, uh, Kate McCauley. She's doing so much stuff off-screen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the stuff. Like we say, we like Hamish Linklater. He's very fun in this. This kind of, like, you know, most of the action is in this this like telegraph office, mm-hmm. uh, where we see a drunken uh, Sam Shepard playing Willie Grogan, who just kind of, again, like uh, as I said, these days stuff that it takes like four different people is just basically a text message because mm-hmm. he gets the messages coming through on Moore's code. He has to translate them and then type them up and then give them to someone to take to, um, you know, the the person who's meant to have the, the message. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the as we say, like the first, like, kind of, I don't know, 25 minutes of this film is like the introduction of, of Homer and his kind of family and his intention to be the fastest bike messenger like that's that's what he wants to be he wants to be the fastest mm-hmm. um and so even though he's too young um he is given the job by Hamish Linklater because i think Hamish Linklater has had enough of trying to deliver mm-hmm. messages and there's by a bike. war on so he just wants you know to, yeah he just wants to sit in sit in the office uh, obviously there being an implication that there's some medical reason why he wasn't able to go to war and maybe that's also why he's not you know uh, being the delivery boy anymore mm-hmm. um, and certainly Willie Grogan is like a drunk so I think that's why they haven't sent him off to war <laughs> because he seems to be able to barely stay sober for mm-hmm. more than five minutes um, he doesn't ever leave so... that chair except one time to grab another chair <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. I mean, he's got the dream job, hasn't he? You know, if you're if you're Sam Shepard in 2014 and Meg Ryan's like, do you want to be in this film? I'm sure that's the point where you can say, can I sit in a chair for the entire movie? Um, you know, it's kind of like um, how we've more tragically found out that Bruce Willis basically has been 
with some form of dementia mm-hmm. for like the last decade and that's why in all the films he's been doing he's basically just been sitting still and reading lines from like an earpiece mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know obviously Sam Shepard died a couple of years after this mm-hmm. film came out this I don't think this was his final film but it was certainly you know among the last few that he did um, and he you know like you know it, like basically for this film he does look I mean I guess that's a part but he does look kind of ill mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know you could kind of I mean he was 73 when he died so you know he had a good a good run um, born in 1943 so a year after this film is wow. set and wild yeah <laughs> the year of the yeah. human comedy <laughs> yes the, that's how we remember 1943 mm-hmm. we're like um, and 1942 these days is referred to as the year that the film Ithaca is set. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously he, you know, he, uh, you know, Sam Shepard. I, I mean, I've, I feel like there's not enough time to really say everything about him. But I think you know most people have known him from the right stuff. Mm-hmm. As with Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, a lot of people know him from Apollo 13. Yep. People really like guys who star in space they films. Do. Um, He's a playwright yeah, also, you know. but you know what? The right stuff. <laughs> And more importantly, that he was married to Jessica Lange from 1982 to 2009. Which that is more important. Are, Thank you. Yeah, those those are prime years for Jessica Lange. Quite Hell frankly. yeah! Also, Jessica um, Lange and I share a birthday—not a birth year, but a birthday. So, happy birthday last month, Jessica! I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she has the, she has the triple crown of acting. She's got two Academy Awards, three Emmys, and a Tony. That a girl. Uh, yep, I could see that. Yeah, along with a SAG and five Golden Globes. I mean, well, yeah. she had a whole comeback. Um, Meg Ryan should actually hit her up if she's interested. I don't know. Yeah. That, I don't think she is. Like no, I think I I think she's as as we'll see in this film. I think she's happy to have, uh, you know, Jack do the uh, do the acting these days, uh, and she can just you know stay behind the scenes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being a proud mother um, of a guy who uh, probably you know. I mean, when you've got two famous parents, that's the that's the ultimate combination of nepotism, baby, isn't it? Like it doesn't get more. <laughs> famous than that i mean i'm sure i mean obviously he attended tish but i'm like i'm thinking people saw the name quaid on the application form and, and googled him and were like yeah he's he's getting it um, randy's nephew yeah. he's in yeah <laughs> that's yeah that is that is what that's what that's where they said they said randy's nephew um and i'm sure he was like um i'd prefer not to be no like let's let's not you know let's not go there <laughs> Um, made his debut in Hunger Games. Oh yeah, which is kind of crazy. It's only he was one of the guys that you wanted to have killed. Oh, he! I um, wanted him to die in this movie too. It's like full circle. <laughs> and sometimes dreams yeah. do come true. I don't want to spoil anything, but <laughs> yeah. And also, not a spoiler for Scream, but he doesn't survive that one either. So. Uh, not a lot <laughs> so, of folks do, you know. Yeah, he's beca- he's becoming the new uh, Sean Bean. Um, Although he's still alive in The Boys, as far as I know. I haven't watched season three yet. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find interesting about Sam Shepard is he was also married to Olan Jones. Oh. Um, which, before he married Jessica Lange. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, which I, which I think is quite interesting. Um, she's still alive, as is Jessica Lange. And they're both, like, 72, 73. They're both, like, roughly the same They age. should marry each other. Um, yes. I mean, they would be the ultimate power mm-hmm, couple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Olan Jones and Jessica Lang. They could call themselves Olan Lang. Oh. Um, <laughs> or Jessica Jones, never been used before. Well, yeah. Or just Olang. Oh, I yes, mean, that's it. That's it. That's what we need. All right. uh, but yeah, as we say, he spends his time typing up, you know, the things that have come in and 
um, you know, Homer's first delivery is to this woman and she doesn't speak English. And so he has to read the telegram to her. Um, you know, her son is dead. And spoiler alert, that's what all the telegrams are. <laughs> it's the war. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like that yeah. one scene in A League of Their Own where the guy delivers the telegram to Betty Spaghetti about her oh, uh, yeah. husband being killed in the war. Uh, except that three times, uh, but different and not um, as intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> and while that's... Ha- we got, we've also got to say, you know, obviously we've talked about uh, Jack Quaid, but as in the role of Marcus McCauley, not fitting in with the, the naming mm-hmm. scheme of the kids... Uh, with Homer and you. It's like vaguely Roman, uh, but but not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, oh, I say that Bess also doesn't really fit yeah, as Bess? well. That's the, hmm. the sister. Yeah. Penelope. So, um, <laughs> well, well, this is it. We, I mean, obviously, we needed somebody to talk to the writer of this novel and yeah. tell them more missed opportunities, you know, bro. Names. Yeah. Um, it is being narrated almost nonstop oh. by uh, Jack Quaid, telling us about his time in the army and his friends in the army and how these people are, you know, his brothers and, you know, how he's, I don't know, scared of it's, fighting or whatever. It is so Just, much like, I've befriended a guy named Toby and you, Homer, you're the best guy ever. And like, what feels like hours <laughs> of him just repeating those two things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he spends a lot of time. It's really weird because obviously, you know, for a guy who's at war, he spends a lot of time just foreshadowing Toby Yeah. Um, for everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not. I I would say there's not much to say about the voiceover, other than the fact that it's, it is what I would call incessant. Yeah, um, I think Jack Quaid uh, probably and- does a, a perfectly adequate job in terms of actual performance. It's just that the writing and the way it's presented, it just feels insipid after a while, and I I just yeah. wanted him to not be talking anymore. Well, I mean, I you know, there's no point. That, you know, like I think it there's fine cutting back and forth between obviously his experiences in the war which obviously seem to be taking place in this kind of dimly lit room or in a very small carriage with a bunch of people mm-hmm. you know, to make it look like it's you know more busy than mm-hmm. it is um and we do get like one kind of like you know explosion thing later on you know to kind of convince us we're at war. yeah we but, didn't have a ton of money so I they're mean, mostly like sitting at a bar or just hanging out outside yeah <laughs> yeah so you know uh, like I think that's fine, but we just need to see that. We don't need to hear him also narrate over the top what he's also doing at the same time. Like, we get it. He's sending letters. We can see him write Mm -hmm. a letter, and then we can see the person read the telegram at the other end. We don't need to hear what's going on. We can uh, put those two things together ourselves um, and be like, okay, I I know what's going on here. I don't need to constantly have Jack Quaid reminding me um, of what's happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, you know, the, obviously, the first telegram that gets delivered, uh, like we said, as with all of them, it is you know a, a woman being told that her uh, her kid is dead, um, and you know we we then also we have also this routine where uh, Sam Shepard's character keeps like falling asleep, and he keeps being waken up with a splash of water, and then also. Um, running across the road to get a coffee. Yeah, we would see the entire scene of, of Homer running across the street yeah. and ordering and receiving <laughs> and not paying for the coffee and then running back across the street. Not every time, but it feels like every time he does this. Yeah. So we really get the message that he is 100% very much a drunk who keeps falling asleep. But at least he um, came out with it like when he first met Homer. He's like, okay, so your main job, aside from delivering telegrams, is to wake me up when I'm passed out drunk, which will be a lot. <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, which, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, obviously, you know, uh, well, I mean, we don't know how uh, how Kate McCauley feels about Homer being a delivery boy because she barely talks in this film. Yeah. So, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, we find out from the, the letters that keep coming back from, from Marcus that their brother has recently died. Um, so I don't know what recently is, uh, but we're to assume within maybe the last year or so. Um, and possibly that is why Marcus has signed up as well. Oh, yes. They're, yeah, their dad. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, because there was a while I was like, well, I feel the absence of this dad. But what happened? Who is he? Where is he? Um, yeah. And obviously, um, I, yeah, I think we see we see Tom again, but just like from a distance. Yeah. And we're like, OK, is that what's and then he disappears and you're like okay i i guess he's important to this in some and then later he's just in their house just like sitting in a chair in their house and i'm like (laughs) oh my god the creepy neighbor broke in kate get out of there yeah uh um that's not what's happening uh, (laughs) no um yeah we find out of course that toby is an orphan uh, because of course he is an orphan um that will come back later i'm sure uh, we find out that Homer has a crush on a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole thing with this girl where there's like, uh, you know, they share looks in class and stuff like that. And he decides to impress her by running onto the field. Uh, yeah, during a hurdles match. The hurdles. Yeah, the hurdles is like a big thing, isn't it? Because um, uh, Tom Spangler says that he held the record for like, like it's a big Ithaca thing. Like the hottest guy in town <laughs> can do hurdles. So like. Marcus did it when he was in yeah. school. Tom Spangler did it when he was in school. So now Homer wants to do it, and it gives us the opportunity to watch him like run into picket fences, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. He's very much not clearing I, I mean, these fences. I mean, I think I think what's interesting is obviously you know what a woman looks for is a man who's got good hip movement. Right. I mean, saucy. I mean. <laughs> okay. Okay. I actually think the girl <laughs> so he hurdles. likes is named Helen, and as a Helen, I mean, he's not crazy far off no yeah well yeah they just want to know that they can move their hips obviously that's why elvis is such Mm -hmm, a hit elvis mm -hmm. in cinemas in a few weeks time starring tom hanks and some kid playing elvis oh my god um yeah uh directed by baz luhrmann written by baz luhrmann and baz luhrmann i'm very excited Well, I the I can see there's a there's a format up which we have over here which I don't know is in America called Screen X, mm-hmm. where they have two extra screens on the side, oh. um, of the well the walls are like painted white and they have two extra projectors that kind of point in opposite directions to the opposite walls, um, and for points of the film not for the whole film, um, those projectors turn on. Um, and when I saw Top Gun Maverick the other day. Um, about 80% of the film had those extra screens going on because it was during all the flight sequences. And there's a lot oh, of flight sequences in the gotcha. film. Yep. Um, but also for like um, for Spider-Man No Way Home, any time there was like a spell, then obviously the extra screens would come on and whenever, you know, there was like um, when Doctor Strange was fighting with Peter and stuff, and then when he had the Spider-Man at the end, spoiler alert for that film, which everybody knows, uh, again, the extra screens come on. So apparently I can see Elvis in Screen X. I have no idea what those two extra screens are going to be for. So I'm going to see what Baz Luhrmann has decided to to put onto those two extra screens. Um, you know, it, when we watch Elvis. But Just yeah. some glitter, probably. Uh, I I mean, the thing is, there's like the, the extra screens are like slightly out of focus. Mm-hmm. 
Because obviously you're not meant to be just staring at them. You're meant to keep staring at the center screen. So like when you're watching uh, an so upright cell phone kind of... video on YouTube and it has that sort of blurred <laughs> uh, landscape on the side. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That is, yeah, that's the effect. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Homer is trying to demonstrate his, uh, his hip uh, movement <laughs> and he gets tackled by one of the teachers. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and we see that Ulysses, uh, the younger, the younger brother, has the youngest brother, should I say, has turned up at the telegram office, and uh, Tom Spangler is just looking after him. It's very <laughs> cute. Like, it's like a little four-year-old yeah. who runs all over the town without any kind of supervision, <laughs> hangs out with the little rascals. Well, yeah, he's got like a gang that he takes around with, 100%. Him, which is kind of um, yeah, kind of interesting. He's got like a, a hoop and um, a stick and like all those. <laughs> kick the can sort of yeah. choice reminds me of like uh, that scene on the simpsons where they flash back to um when lisa was born and they're like living in the kind of like uh, new york tenement <laughs> part of springfield and you got these kids and they go do you want to go play like um uh what is it like you know stickball yeah. and they run over to like an arcade machine that has stickball on <laughs> instead of actually playing stickball it's just a very stupid <sighs> joke because obviously they weren't like in the 30s. They were in the early 80s uh, at the time. Obviously without, uh, because, um, you know, Homer has been tackled by a teacher, he's not available to deliver a very important um, message. And so Tom Spangler jumps on the bike and he beats Western Union uh, to a pickup, which is something that they're very proud of. Um, and on the way back, he has a drink. Uh, mm -hmm. He goes into a bar and we see that there are some drunken soldiers um, who were there and they want to send a telegram um, and of course, you know, they're shipping out tomorrow. Um, and so uh, th this gives them the excuse to go out with uh, Bess and her friend Mary, I think yes. is it? Uh, yeah. Um, to like the, to go to the, like the, the cinema. And of course we have like, you know, the newsreel. Yep. Um, and they're not like paying attention to it. And, and uh, people get mad because it's like, you know, it's important news about, you know, I don't know, Europe, the war. That the kind soldiers of stuff. don't want to watch uh, the news about the war right before they go off no. to it. Like, I don't blame them one bit. I mean, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, it's it's kind of yeah. funny that, like, I don't know. To me, it just seems weird that, like, that was a thing that happened in the cinema. Like, obviously, pre-television, the only way to get news is by having mm -hmm. a person tell you about stuff in a newsreel. And you'd have to go to the cinema, like, maybe once, twice a week just to figure out what's going on in the world. And it's just, like, kind of... I guess I'll get a newspaper. Or a radio. Newspaper. Yeah, I get. Well, yeah, I guess. But, Have you know, a kid write a, a letter over to you on a bike. Yeah, those were the those were the things, and of course, uh, you know, th this is where um, you know a another telegram arrives, and um, uh, this is where he goes to like a big fancy house, mm. um, and he's gonna leave, but they're like, uh, stay. Uh, you know, while we read the message, and of course, it is about the death of somebody, uh, death of someone in the family who I think is another soldier overseas, mm. and obviously the woman getting the message is obviously distraught and she kind of collapses, um, and you know, again, like this, that's kind of like the first message that he delivered. Yeah, they're kind of. They're, I really had a hard time remembering the second one just then, because um, I found the first yeah, one really it, poignant, and I find the last one uh, as poignant as. Well, not as poignant as it should be, given that the circumstances we'll get into in a moment. Um, the middle one sort of fades. Um, it's like this rich woman, like the mother of, a, I think, a classmate of Homer's. Um, yeah. And it's it's fine. It's fine. Like These are some of the best scenes in the movie, and I don't remember them very well. 
<laughs> I think this is where Meg actually gets a chance to speak, where she says that obviously he's growing up and he's no longer, you know, a boy and he's now understanding what's going on in the world and, you know, the bad things that are happening out there. And obviously they're being brought home to him by him delivering television. Yeah, it's like you're, 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 um, you're now coming to understand the world in which you've been a child. Um, yeah. And that's what she says in the trailer. And uh, I think if you watch the trailer, that's almost all of <laughs> her speaking part. <laughs> all of her dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, I guess she was busy directing. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, although saying that, in in both the films that Tom directed, he's all over that stuff. I mean... Oh, yeah. You know, 95% of Larry Crown is him. So, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, we get the soldiers. Uh, they thank Mary and Bess by all of them kissing each of them yes. in turn. <laughs> that, Which, that's like a thing, though, I guess, because like Tom also like stopped and kissed a woman while he was delivering that one telegram. Like, it's just you <laughs> kissed ladies. Yeah, I mean, hey, it was the 40s. People were kissing each other. A war was going on. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. But, like, of course, Mary is Marcus's girl, right? So. But also, yes. who cares? Like... <laughs> I get the sense, like, because yeah. there's a war on, everyone has this sort of attitude of, who cares? Hey, I mean, they could all they could all die tomorrow. Exactly. And um, most of them will. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking out of those three soldiers, maybe one of them's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, but yeah. And so we get 58 minutes into the movie, and we finally get a close-up of Tom Hanks as a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, took us a while to get ghost there. Ghost dad! Uh, we see... Yeah, Homer, Homer has like a nightmare about his dad's death. Um, is this where he tells Ulysses to like go to sleep and it's like the middle of the yes. afternoon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's a bit weird. Like he's just saying to Ulysses, go to sleep. And he's like, <laughs> you can see outside, it's like super bright. You're like, no one's going to sleep in that light. So, um, but yeah, we, you know, we see a ghostly Tom is in the ghostly kitchen Tom. sitting down. Yeah, there's some apples that aren't ripe. Um and uh, yeah that's i mean you know that's the that's the point of covering it on this podcast is because tom hanks is in it but only very briefly he, i mean really the point is because he's reuniting with meg yeah. Ryan for the first time on screen he does say kate to her does he say anything yeah. else and not that i yeah. can remember but i think maybe he's just uh, a huge fan of the ben Folds five song <laughs> kate and oh she plays wipeout on the drums i i was listening to that recently yeah yeah, so he's uh, you know, he, he's just like he's just he's he's waiting for the kind of call and response of the live yeah. version where Kate. Like Kate, he's waiting, Kate. he's waiting for the for her to respond, but she's not. And going Meg to. just says his uh, name, which is like Matt or something very generic. That is his name. His name is Matthew McCauley. Oh, Matthew. M&M. M&M, if you will. Exactly. I've always find it weird that M&M, like, that's a great rap name because obviously his name is, is Marshall yeah, Mathers, yeah. but I find it weird that nobody's like his name is Marshall, <laughs> like. He's like one of the most famous rappers that ever lived, and his name is Marshall? I think some people do, but because he's Eminem, they don't make fun of him for it. My little sister has a cat no. named Marshall, named after Eminem. Eminem, yeah. So, just like it's Marshall like, has street cred now. Yeah, it's like Dr. Dre, and it's like, his name's Andre. Like, Andre, that's his name. Like, I swear, if you look into any rapper's names, they've all got really weird names. Um, particularly Jason Derulo, who spells his name like very simple, but his name is like full French. What? It's Derulo. Jason it's like, Derulo. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. There, there it is. Tom's appeared in the film now more than once, uh, making his presence a bit more clear as to yeah. who he is. He's not the creepy neighbor. He's the dead she dad. She almost makes out with uh, the ghost in this scene, and I feel like that's most of what she's doing when she's off screen is just like hooking up with her dead husband. Yeah. 
Which is what like I would Izzy be doing from season if I were... four of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where she had sex with a, a ghost constantly. <laughs> and people were like, Grey's Anatomy has really fallen off because Izzy's having going. sex with a ghost. And I'm like, I, I'm like, Izzy having sex with a ghost is probably the greatest thing that happened on that show. Mm-hmm. Like, let's mm-hmm. not, next to George being killed. Oh my God, I watched was... that episode. I, I could record, <laughs> if you speak to anyone who knew me back in the day, I could record a whole podcast about, um, oh no, I can't think of the actor's Just name that... now. George. Just that one episode. Yeah. Just that one single episode, though. T.R. Knight. Knight. Thank you. I was in love with him because he was the uh, spokesperson for a cell phone company called Powertel. And when I found out he was on Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) I started watching. And because I'm just a very weird, uh, I get niche crushes, and he was one of them. I mean, I only, uh, what was, why did I start watching Grey's Anatomy? I think it was for Sandra Oh. Oh, Sandra Oh had been in something previously. That's a reasonable reason. They were like, yeah. yeah, And they were like, Sandra Oh's on this new show. And I was like, okay. And then they were like, as is um, Patrick Dempsey. And I was like, oh, well, this is good then. Patrick Dempsey. Oh, lover boy. Yeah. You know, uh, with that hair from the 80s. I challenge anybody to have better hair than Patrick Dempsey in the 80s. It's, it's stunning. Um, His hair's still good. It is pretty good. It's just not eighties good though. It's not like eighties yeah. Patrick Dempsey. Like now he's obviously got to do something to it because he's like thirty years older. But back then it was just yeah. naturally, yeah, uh, amazing hair. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Enchanted two is about to come out, so we may get a glimpse. Yeah. Uh, disenchanted. Yes, uh, disenchanted. I am not uh, with Enchanted because that's a great film. Love that film. I know. I mean, it's a wonderful. I discovered it on my podcast. <laughs> Funny, we should mention it on purpose. See, that's how you know. Um, right. And uh, so <laughs> we got to go back to Marcus. Unfortunately, um, yeah, he's at war. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, he's still talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Non-stop. Uh, I mean, things picking up for Homer, though, because he gets to deliver a package to a woman working uh, as a lady of the night uh, mm-hmm. in a whorehouse. Uh, she gives him a letter. And she says he's got money and, you know, it's very important. And obviously both of us are thinking that's going to come back and that's got to be wow, very yeah. important to the plot. Never mentioned again. Nope. Don't even nope. know don't even know what the point of the scene was. I guess it's to show that he's not just delivering death notices to people. But I mean he is though. <laughs> well really? yeah, because in this case he's only he's only picking up a package of some money. Yeah. We get a shot on the battlefield where we can't really see what's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. because you know, as much as Meg Ryan has learned from Tom Hanks, I don't think she's learned how to shoot a proper, you know, battle scene. She she, she didn't get Steven Spielberg involved in this one. Um, it's just kind of I don't know. It's it's for something that's meant to have a budget of roughly fifteen million. It's what you would expect, isn't it? It's just you know mm. bombs going off in the air, flashes of light. Scenes. John Mellencamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, John Mellencamp is not killed, and so he keeps singing Aww. for the rest of this film. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, we see uh, Ulysses uh, watching this. Uh, again, this is like a weird detour, but like they're watching that guy in the window who they think is an automaton, but it might be a real life guy. Uh, but yeah, they, like they basically watch him all day to see if he stops being an automaton, and he never yeah, does. Yeah, the little rascals like sit at this storefront window watching what I think is probably supposed to actually be an automaton. Yeah, based on the fact that I think they stood there for like eight hours. And it just did the same motions over and over. But I think an actual fact, an actual like shooting of the film fact appears to be a man in makeup. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. And uh, I think it reminded him of Marcus. It was like Ulysses was the last one standing there. And then he envisioned the automaton, I guess, like 
coming forward, talking to him, and he like ran home. Yeah, or uh, the guy breaking character. Marcus. We don't like. Yeah, could be either thing because it's the imagination of a child. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, and then of course, as he's running home from this uh, frightening shock of this automaton coming to life, uh, we see that Homer finds him. And while Homer's there, he sees the girl he likes with the other guy from the class who, you know, was doing the whole kind of like, it looks like she's looking at him, but she, he's actually, she's actually mm-hmm. looking at the other guy. Um, Embarrassing. And uh, this is, you know, obviously Homer gets another letter from Marcus. I don't even know why I made a note of that in my notes, because that's just <laughs> a thing that's happening throughout the whole film. I'm not sure why I felt that at this particular moment um, it, hmm. it was. Except, of course, I think... Uh, yeah, this is this is where we get the big climax of the film, which brings mm-hmm. together all these many dangling threads, uh, which include, uh, let's count them off. Willie Grogan is a drunk. Yes. Marcus sends letters. <laughs> yes. Um, Homer delivers letters, but they're always about the death of, of somebody at war. Um, He's delivering them to mothers of, yeah. of murdered sons. And Tom Spangler uh, is just having fun. Uh, mm-hmm. with life and homer has a mother worth noting <laughs> yes um who directed the film although you wouldn't really know that she's there given yeah. how little she does in the film but we find out that willie has passed out uh, just as he's typed up a letter that has come back that is for homer's mother um mm-hmm. but it turns out he's not just passed out um <laughs> he's about as passed out as you can get because he's dead oh god yeah. He yeah, he died he died I think the shock of receiving the telegram about Homer's his messenger's older brother dying made him die. I mean the last time he spoke it sort of sounded like he knew he was not long for this world. Yeah. But I don't know if he even finished typing the thing up. You just see Kate's name at the top and it's like from the war office. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the, of course um they try to revive him by splashing water yeah. on him, which you just at this point you're just desecrating a body. Um, and you know Homer sees the the, the telegram, so he know like he kind of knows what it is. And then obviously Tom arrives, and he calls for an ambulance. And rather than speeding to deliver this one last telegram, uh, Tom and Homer slowly walk back to deliver the the you know the telegram. Um, yeah, well, also, we should say the the last important plot point we didn't mention uh, was Toby George. Um, Mm. is an orphan he's an orphan remember that's the important thing but like tom has to be there with homer as he's walking home to deliver this letter because homer needs that older brother figure for that like 20 minutes he doesn't have one yeah um so tom steps in yeah and um you know when they get back to to the house as they as they walk along you know they talk about the nature of death and stuff uh and there's some nice stuff you know between uh, alex newstadler and Hamish Link later, um, yeah, you know, and they get home. And they hear that Bess and Mary are singing, um, and we I'm pretty st- sure Bess and Mary are in love. That's my head anyway. <laughs> Nobody dissuade me from that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that I think they make a good couple. You know, they they, they can't spend all their days kissing soldiers who are going off to die. Right, um, they're so cute and like snuggly together. Yeah, and apparently Mary's full name is Mary Arena, which I have oh. to assume she's the great grandmother of Tina Arena, the '90s singer. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, who is a real person, and obviously this is fictional, so no, she isn't. But still, you know, oh, huh. we can we can only dream. Uh, I'm yeah. surprised it's not like Scylla or uh, Cyclops. <laughs> or... 
Yeah, some, something, something. Charybdis. Yeah, something a bit more obvious. Um, yeah, Mary Zeus. Um, Mary Zeus. And so we see a soldier has arrived, and he is here to deliver some bad news. Uh, much like the soldier in Saving Private Ryan, who was there to tell a mother that three of her four, four sons are dead. Um, and uh, if you if you look when that happens in Saving Private Ryan, there's like a blurry picture, and you can't really make it out. But apparently, that is Matt Damon on that picture to kind of oh, okay. as a clue. Uh, but in this case, he's standing there, just as uh, Homer uh, arrives home. He announces he is Toby. Um, mm-hmm. Mary and Bess stop singing. Um, and we finally tie up all the loose ends by having Homer deliver one more telegram, but it's to his mother. Um, yep. You know, Toby obviously... Very loud John Ke- John Mellencamp-like <laughs> string music as he walks slowly up the stairs to his mom who knows exactly what's coming. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, obviously Toby passes on his condolences because he knows what's in the telegram before he gets read out because he was there when... Yeah, but he doesn't say anything because that would be beating a dead son, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and obviously we, we end the film with Homer, you know, delivering his final telegram. I don't know. I mean, I assume after mm-hmm. this, they still need telegram people in the office. Like, uh, I assume they just all died. Yeah. <laughs> just when, Willie... the, when the movie ended, they all died. <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, Willie Grogan's dead, so... I'm gonna he assume. Died in the middle. Oh I'm gonna God. assume Tom Spangler gets like a promotion to take over his post, and then mm-hmm. I mean Homer is already the delivery boy, but I guess we might need a second one. So maybe Ulysses starts riding around on his trike, uh, yeah, delivering. Ulysses telegrams. starts the hurdles once he turns five or six. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Tom marries that woman he doesn't really care about, who we haven't even mentioned because <laughs> Tom doesn't care about her. Yeah, no, that I mean that is a funny subplot where like there is a whole conversation between Tom and Willie Grogan where he's like, "What do you do if you don't really care about like the person you're currently going out with, <laughs> and you spend a lot of your time going to bars and getting drunk so that you don't have to go see her, um, and you don't really want to go and meet her family because you don't want to be stuck with her for the rest of your life." It's like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a bad position to be in, Tom Spangler, but I mean. And I, I mean, I guess I mean there's not many options, but I would say after the after the war, it becomes a buyer's market as far as men are concerned in this village. I mean, right? Or even during the war, you're kissing well, ladies while you're delivering yeah, telegrams. This is it. I mean, you know, pretend you're going to war tomorrow and just keep kissing everybody. Um, you are the hottest, most actual person in <laughs> all of Ithaca. <laughs> the world is your oyster, my friend. Well, now he has competition from Toby George. Um, oh yeah who I think has just on the arrived so he can be adopted by this family I think yep, is the he's the Marcus too yeah he's uh, he's here to replace Marcus um, unfortunately this actor uh, Gabriel Basso he went on to portray J.D. Vance in Hillbilly Elgy which is I mean that's a that's I mean this is not a great start to your career but I mean that's not a really good I mean he was also in Super 8 uh, well, there you go that's one of the kids um, and also a film called Barely Lethal, uh, which is that's a pretty good title. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean it's got uh, it's got Haley Steinfeld in and um, uh, Sophie Turner and Jessica Alba and Dove Cameron. I mean, and yeah, that's and Samuel great. Jackson. So that Samuel Jackson doesn't really. I mean, he does a lot of films, so I mean that doesn't really mess it narrow it down to anything. He, he might be like Tom Hanks in it in that movie. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Barely Lethal is a, that's a very good title for a film about like um, female orphans who turn into spies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Who are also young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I assume I'm assuming based on the cast and the <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so he was in he was in that before this, and and obviously now he's here as Toby George, and then later on he goes to be J D Vance. So like I said, good for you, Toby man. Yeah, 
Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know, Homer passes on the telegram, which I'm assuming he finished typing. I don't think he like left it half done. Um, I don't know. I was never sure about that. It really might just <laughs> say to Kate McCauley from the war office. Yeah. And they're just and assuming. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they might be like, Marcus is doing really well. He's having a lot of fun in the war. Um, he's killing a lot of people and he's really he's really good at it. Like that might have been what the rest of it said, but we'll never know. Um, although obviously Toby, Toby's not telling us. <laughs> yeah. Toby's just like, I don't want to spoil it. You know, if they didn't, if they didn't tell you, you know, obviously... He's very committed oh, no. to no spoilers. That's an important thing you yeah. need to know about Toby George. <laughs> he also benefits from if Marcus fakes his death, Toby only benefits from it. So yeah, he has no motive to speak out. I mean, he might be Marcus trying to. Marcus is just off writing letters forever and never <laughs> see him again. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how you know he's alive is if he just keeps incessantly sending you letters, um, oh, and you've just got like a large stack, and you're like, yeah, I get it. You're alive. You're at war. Stop, you know, pestering us. Um, but yeah, so obviously Meg Ryan, she receives the um, telegram. She's clearly not happy. Obviously, she's a she's a, she's just lost her husband. Now she's lost a son. I guess that's why they call it the human comedy, <laughs> <laughs> right? It is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, an hour and twenty three. That is where the film finishes. Uh, so it's only. It sounds so short when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, but yeah, when you're watching it, I, it feels like it's at least longer than Infinity War and Endgame combined. Oh my god, it's so it feels so long, and the like literally only the scenes where Hamish Linklater is on screen. Um, and I think that first the first telegram that Homer delivers to the woman who doesn't speak English, I found yeah. that really great. Yeah, like um, I say, like that first like 20, 23 minutes, it's a nice little miniature that yeah. you know you. You're like, but it was oh, like also is... like a lot of just like riding bikes through tall grass and ordering coffees and saying Homer or Ulysses or Tom <laughs> or Willie or Marcus or Kate or Matthew or Bess or Mary. Yeah. There's a lot of people uh, saying names in this, and it, it is. Yes. I, I mean, you know, I don't know if Meg Ryan was like wanting to make that her trademark that like in her films everybody says their names all the time. It feels like you like have to pad out a, a five-page essay, so you like double space it and you increase the <laughs> font by like a half point, and you throw in like an, a, a, a direct address every time you talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah. See, I never, I never had that trouble. Whenever I was writing essays, I would just, I was, I mean, there was one time where I was when I, because obviously you have to do like a word count, don't you? You get to the end of an essay, you got to do word count. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously you just count how many are on one line, and then you multiply it by the lines. You give yourself a rough word count. Uh, there was a time when my handwriting was so small, I used to be able to get about 20 words a line. Um, I have tiny handwriting Yeah, too, and so I was just like, yeah. And so uh, whenever I was writing essays, it's like, uh, you know, for like 15 years of being in school, the, the main complaint teachers had was like, Darren really needs to have better handwriting. And I'm like, you understood I, I the essay. I once got points taken off for writing yeah. small, and I thought that was garbage. No, I mean, you know, like you, you write the size that you write, don't you? Like nobody, everybody, not everybody has to write with giant, like, you know, sharpies do they like you know people right. some people write the tiny handwriting um but yes so uh that being said uh yeah john cougar mellencamp i think we finish with like one of the songs don't we i think is it sugar hill mountain is the is the final song that plays yeah, yeah. it's like an actual song good for y'all yeah well done carlene carter um who her name isn't even really carlene it's rebecca <laughs> oh, oh! But you know, Meg Ryan's name isn't Meg. It's what is it, Margaret? Uh, yeah. Well, that Meg is short for Margaret. Yeah, I, mean, I but, guess. I mean, I mean, 
Cougar's short for John, as we all know. So, <laughs> yeah. What goes around comes around. Yeah. I mean, Alex is short for Alexander, and Jack is short for nothing because his name's actually Jack. They actually called mm-hmm. him Jack. Sam. Hamish is, is short for Hamishopolis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam Shepard, obviously, is Samuel. His name isn't Sam Shepard either. It's Samuel Rogers III. It's Samuel the Shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of. But, you know, like I said, the, I mean. You know, the kid playing Ulysses, Spence Howell, I think he's charming, he's fun, you know. It's, Adorbs. It's hard to get, like, you know, a good, like, performance out, like, a four- or five-year-old, and I think they do well I with him. I feel like they just let him do what four-year-olds do, and it worked great, honestly. Yeah, or scared him with a guy who's in makeup pretending to be an automaton, you know, one of those. Yeah, and um, I'm all for that, too. <laughs> yeah, like we say, Hamish Link later, he's fine in this. Sam Shepard's doing a nice, you know, kind of drunk performance. Uh, like we mm-hmm. said, one of his final ones uh, before his death. Um, and Jack Wade is okay, but, like... You do get the feeling he's, he's only there because of who is directing the film. <laughs> like, yeah. It does... Also, I, I could not tell Jack and Toby apart, even though Jack Quaid looks just like Dennis Quaid. Like, they look so <laughs> similar that I still couldn't tell in that, like, dim World War Two lighting. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, like I said, uh, I, 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 per- I personally think that they should have cast Jack Quaid in Top Gun Maverick as Goose's son. Because... Yeah. You know they do do they do do some flashbacks to Meg Ryan and um, uh, the guy off ER. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Anthony Edwards. They do they do flashbacks to them in 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 that second film. So it would have felt appropriate to. But I, I, you know I'll say this: Miles Teller does a really good job. You know he gets the mustache right. Uh, he does look the spit in the image of like Anthony Edwards from like you know. Whereas I don't think Jack Quaid kind of looks that Anthony Edwards ish. So mm-hmm. you know maybe that's they wanted to look more Anthony Edwards than Meg Ryan. So. Um, Miles Teller is one of those like I don't think I like that guy, but he sure is good in movies, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> really annoying. I at some point I did want them while they were in Top Gun Maverick flying around for you know uh, somebody to be flying too fast and for them to go not my tempo. Um, but nobody did. <laughs> nobody did that. Nobody <clears throat> said that his flying was too fast and it was not their tempo. So you know nobody flew over him and said are oh, you Russian or dragon so I would have liked a whole bunch of references to Whiplash in Top Gun Maverick but I don't think it was really that type of film um, so uh, give the people what they want it's Whiplash references yeah I mean people go nuts for it uh, there is a very funny video that Weird Al did where he he put himself into Whiplash <laughs> playing a um, wow p- playing the accordion <laughs> okay that's pretty good and it kind of keeps cutting to um to jk simmons and then like when when chairs get thrown like a chair gets thrown past him and he's like you know it's very amusing um he's good at that yeah red al a great person ithaca not a great film <laughs> correct <laughs> so, i think that's that's all you can take away from it really yeah i mean i think i think i know where you stand but obviously you know we for the record we need to know t hangs no t hangs i have been i have been really mean about this film um <laughs> uh, like needlessly mean because I think Meg Ryan was doing her best um, with you know what she had and uh, I don't know I miss seeing her around I love Meg Ryan very earnestly I love Tom Hanks very earnestly I am going to be proposing to Hamish Linklater after we get off the line <laughs> um, uh, no T. Hanks to this movie it was um, in like pretty much every objective sense a bad movie <laughs> yeah i just i mean yeah no t hanks just not a good film in it like by any stretch like i mean mostly I... like the first 20 minutes like we say could be its own little thing 
Um, but just yeah, that would be fine. Yeah, but after that, it just drags on, and yeah. it's kind of the same thing over and over again. And they're they're not getting enough. Like I don't know or care about the characters enough for it to matter to me. Like these like what should be really heavy emotional sequences. Like I cry at Publix commercials. Like I cried when you reminded me that I had to record this in twenty minutes, but I did not cry <laughs> <laughs> during Ithaca. Yeah, and like, I mean I should have, and I didn't. And like I said, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we've uh, at this point I've reviewed, you know, the three films that Meg Ryan did with Tom Hanks. I've seen a lot of Meg Ryan stuff over the years. And, you know, I like Meg Ryan. I enjoy what she's doing. But like uh, it just it, like it, it feels like she, you know, she wanted to do this. And I, I don't know, maybe because obviously this came out in 2015. So maybe if she was planning like a follow up or something like to do another film. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. a few years later we probably hit the you know the whole pandemic thing and it's probably delayed it and, but like this is literally the last thing that she's done um and in the same way that like cameron diaz's final film was annie you're like i what like it feels is like she, it? Yeah. yeah and and the same with um you know uh drag me to hell uh alison loman like that was like her big star making turn and also the final film she starred in because she then just retired after that. She got married to one of the guys who did Crank 2. Um, and it's like, it just feels, it feels, you know, like obviously, you know, it, the kind of the whole sexism in Hollywood thing is obviously very real. Um, I think it's improved in recent years. You know, there are a lot of more kind of, um, you know, kind of high profile actresses um, who are, you know, doing projects. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, next year we've got like Barbie directed by like Greta Gerwig, which is like the weirdest combination of words in the English language. I'm very jazzed about that. Oh my God. I yeah. And then, like, the, you know, the, you look at the cast of who, like, who's in that. And again, it's like, a, it's a whole bunch of like very big like actresses. Um, mm-hmm. And it just feels that Meg Ryan kind of like, uh, you know, like we say, uh, like a Jessica Lang, she needs to kind of like do something. Uh, yeah. that is kind of more age appropriate to what she is now um yeah. you know it is still it is hard for older women like yeah you mentioned like all the retired female actors and like i, I just did a, a friend's baywatch podcast in which i got to research yasmin bleeth and learned that like she retired after the baywatch movie and like doesn't appear in public and i'm just like i would i would i would also have retired if i were yasmin bleeth or like yeah, I might have. I, if I were Meg Ryan, I might do what Meg Ryan's doing. Like, live your life the way that it makes sense for you. At this, we point. mentioned uh, we mentioned Grey's Anatomy, but like, there's a reason why Ellen Pompeo is like still doing that show because mm-hmm. that's literally the best thing. I mean, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's a couple of films she's been in where she was pretty great. Um, but you know, if Ellen Pompeo finishes Grey's Anatomy and she starts to look for film projects, I don't know what she's going to get. You know, like it's going to be very hard for her to. Uh, fine stuff you know whereas if she's on tv she's you know she's uh, you know clearly um you know like doing really well there um highest paid actress i think on tv at the moment i think she's making like 20 million a year yeah she's she's good for you girl yeah she's at least getting a million an episode so like yeah um but i I mean yeah also john cougar mellencamp just like kind of ruining everything (laughs) with whatever he's doing in this thing um yeah. I'm going to blame him for, like, women not being able to find success past 40, Yeah, you know? I mean, it feels like he's got to have had a role in it. Johnny! Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, again, like, this isn't the first thing that she directed. You know, she did some TV mm-hmm. stuff before this. and But, again, it, it feels like, you know, I mean, I, I, what I would like is for her to, you know, maybe something like Marvel, you know, or a Star War, you know, like get like get mm-hmm. like a, a franchise role and then use that to kind of 
make a bit of money and then kind of pick something that you really want to do and then kind of maybe come back in that way because you know we miss meg ryan she's only 60 yeah. like no you know it's like that's no age for someone to just stop i mean saying that you know both the other actresses i mentioned are a lot younger than that <laughs> and they've stopped but it's like, well, like yeah you know talk to, talk to michelle pfeiffer talk to yeah. jessica lang like who i think is a, a little older but um you, She's you got this. If you want it, if you don't want it, don't do it. Yeah, we love you, Meg, and we support you. We, yeah, we just unfortunately, didn't like yeah, we, very much. Yeah, we don't like this film, <laughs> but otherwise, very much behind Meg Ryan and what she's trying to do. Uh, apart from when she's trying to do John Mellencamp, in which case we're like, yeah. stop doing that, Meg. Um, though apparently, <laughs> they uh, they adopted a, a girl from China. Um, Aww. Yeah, in like two thousand six. Mm. Baby, yeah, called Daisy True. So, how old would she be now? She'd be is she old enough to be in movies? Maybe we'll get Meg Ryan. I, I mean, I think she is, yeah. So, yeah, if there's maybe something that she wants Daisy True to, to star hey. in, then maybe we'll see, we'll see another film. Hopefully, not a remake of some obscure film from the 40s. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, I feel like we've said about as much as anybody in the entire world That's... is ever going to say about Ithaca. Um, yeah, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? <laughs> I I do wish to plug my own my very own podcast Falling in Love Montage which you can find on any podcatcher you're listening to or also at fallinginlovemontage.com on that one my sister and I talk about chick flicks including the aforementioned Enchanted starring McDreamy um, and uh, I'm also just about to record an episode on 10 Things I Hate About You so That'll be out, I presume, when this is out. So I think check it, it out. Yeah. Um, and you can find us at the extremely awkward T underscore FT memory. T, no, T underscore Hanks FT memory. I haven't got my notes open, so I can never remember. That's why I normally have them open. <laughs> uh, so I know what I'm talking about um, when it gets to the closing of an episode. Uh, thanks very much for being my guest, uh, Helen, to talk about this film that literally nobody, I think, other than oh us and Meg Ryan have seen. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, secretly, thank you for having me twice to talk about this movie <laughs> because no I messed will, up the first time. No one will ever figure <laughs> that out. Um, uh, and I think we can all agree that uh, in our minds, this lives on as a hologram, uh, but the next one will be a hologram for the king. <laughs> <laughs>